0: And welcome to the Guelph Politicast, I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talk to Allison Kolch, who is one of the organizers of a political action group called Halton Parents for Change. Drive east from Guelph for about 20 minutes, and you will hit Halton region, so what affects them there does not necessarily leave us unaffected. But in the case of Halton Parents for Change, we can see some of the broader trends playing out in this election no matter where you live. School board elections don't normally get a lot of attention, and that's exactly how some people like it, but what happens when parents start advocating for the kind of school board they want? Will that have a visible impact on this chronically and criminally underlooked slate of school board elections? One group of Halton Region parents certainly hope so. Changing the tone at the school board is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. Like at any school board, there's a lot going on at any particular time, but when the Halton Catholic District School Board voted against flying the pride flag last year, some of the issues at board became a matter of provincial interest. The motion to approve flying the pride flag was an initiative of a grade 12 student at Oakville's St. Ignatius of Loyola Catholic Secondary School, and Nicole Hodgkiss had the backing of 18,000 people who signed a petition supporting the motion. Student trustee Kristen Kelly told the CBC at the time, quote, They brought it up because many students don't feel safe in their own school environments because of the homophobia and the transphobia from staff and students alike, unquote. That homophobia then seemed to be sanctified by the board vote. And even though the Halton board thought better of it this year and voted to approve the flying of the pride flag, parents and students alike still have their concerns. They weren't the only ones, though. In January, the Canadian Anti-Hate Network reported that far-right groups like Campaign Life Coalition and Parents First Educator were trying to influence the Halton Catholic Board to vote against this latest motion to approve the raising of the pride flag, and they said, and I quote, Act courageously as a soldier of Christ against those who detest Catholic teaching on sexual morality, unquote. The network has been following carefully issues around many school board races this election from a candidate running in the newfoundland and labrador english school district who is making ludicrous claims about schools putting litter boxes in classrooms for kids identifying as a cat and the ones closer to home the wellington catholic district school board candidate robert higgins who has literally written a book about white replacement theory which has been the basis for more than a couple of mass shootings in the United States these last few years. So in a political realm, where so few people pay attention, can a political advocacy group make any kind of difference, given the odds? Alison Colch will try and answer that question on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast, and we will talk about the issues that the Halton Catholic School Board has been facing in the last four years, why she and other parents felt that they had to form an advocacy group, and what kind of change they're looking for in terms of a board and their makeup. We will also talk about the especially problematic trustees, the friction between secular education and denominational rights, and what the young people themselves think of their trustee representatives. And finally, we will discuss the issues of importance this election, whether the group has had any impact on the campaign trail, and what they are going to do once the election is over. So I caught up with Alison Colch last week via Zoom. Okay, Alison Colch, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Uh, I guess to start off, before we kind of get into your group and, and sort of the reasons why uh, you exist and, and some of the stuff you're advocating for, I, I thought I would ask us by pinning you, asking you to paint like sort of a brief picture of um, what the last few years at the Holton Catholic District School Board uh, have, have kind of looked like and, you know, some of the, I, I guess, like... I, in terms of like the particular issues, and we'll we'll talk about specifics as we go along, but just you know, in, in terms of a general picture of why one would want to form a group um, to to advocate for more school board representation, what, what have the last few years been like?
1: It's uh it's been interesting and and so I mean I can only, I can only speak to a Halton Catholic as that's yep. where where my kids are and, and where my direct experience is but I imagine we're not entirely unique in some of this. Um, a few things, I guess the first the first thing that really caught my attention uh, was back in uh, 2018. Um, there was a, a A fairly controversial policy that went through at that time uh, that essentially banned fundraising for any organizations that had any remote ties to uh, to abortion or stem cell research, um, which in practical terms is almost everything that we would normally fundraise for in some tangential way. I mean, we're talking cancer research and the Terry Fox run and like just all the hospitals and things that, that we would normally have, have had a fair bit of community engagement around. Um, and I think that was the first real example where we saw some fairly widespread backlash um, where people actually realized what had happened and, and got a little bit more vocal about it. And back then, in fact, the the public was so loud um, about it that 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 did get reversed, Um, and so that was sort of my first taste of of what that even looked like. Because to be perfectly frank, um, in twenty eighteen, my kids weren't even in school yet. My my Mm -hmm. oldest is only in grade two, Um, so I'm (laughs) you know we were following things, but that was kind of my first introduction to it. Um, Because I think in a normal course, folks don't you know most people aren't tuning into the. By, by weekly board meetings and, and really listening into those conversations. Um, so that was that was the first big one. And then as my kids got into school, um, I really started to tune in around uh, I mean, in the last couple of years, with certainly there was lots of discussion around COVID and and safety protocols and what they were doing in schools to, to keep everyone safe. Um so lots of lots of conversation around all of those sorts of topics and then in in 2021 in our board uh there was an initial push uh to ask the board to fly the the pride flag in June which is which is pride month um and that request was actually initially brought forward by a student uh asking for that representation within their within their school environment and the discussion that followed at the board table was in my perspective, troubling. Um, there were certainly a, a, some trustees who were, you know, strong advocates for it and and, and pushed it forward. There were others uh, who were very clearly not supportive of that initiative and and were pretty vocal about why. Um, and it, it just wasn't it wasn't great for, in my opinion. I mean, there are to LGBTQ plus students and staff in the board. I mean, they exist, they're there. Um, and for them to have heard some of those things in that type of a setting, it was harmful. Um, and so I think there were a number of parents, uh, coming out of some of those discussions that, that felt similarly. Uh, and that's ultimately where our group came from. Um, we just sort of, Found each other uh, through <laughs> through social media and other and other things as we were trying to figure out what to do. And I think individually we were all trying to do what we could, uh, you know, emailing the board, sending official correspondence, trying to use those channels. Um, but we found it was a little bit like we were all just shouting into the void. And when we realized, oh hey, there's a few of us that are all trying to do the same thing, um, there was a lot of power in in getting organized and and speaking as a collective. Uh, and we were able to 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 be heard in a very different way
0: so what it sounds like is um you know you you officially you, you you at first tried to direct some of your advocacy to the board itself and now with that we're in this election process you're kind of turning the advocacy around and going out to the voter and instead and trying to say like this is what's going on at the board and if you want to see something different then you're going to have to pay attention to this and say say so with your vote
1: Yeah, I mean, that's sort of been our evolution. We started around that one issue. Um, We actually were successful in in that was past this past year. So the flag was raised, uh, the flag was raised in June. Um, And then we sort of realized, you know what, now that we've been really paying attention in a a very close way, uh, this isn't the only issue where we have a problem or, or an opportunity to do some more advocacy. And so we've turned our focus to more broadly um, issues of, of equity and inclusion. Um and and yeah, I mean, fundamentally we looked around and we said we're we're not going to get the type of progress or change that we're looking for unless the makeup of the board changes. So what can we do um, you know, to try and to try and get closer to that vision? Um now obviously. We speak for one one perspective, and 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 know that that's just the reality. Um, but yeah, so we went out and said, okay, you know, when you look at the election, I think there's two fundamental challenges. Um, one, the general public isn't really paying very much attention to mm-hmm. what happens on a school board and what the role of a trustee even is. I don't think there's a broad appreciation for how much influence they actually have on the day-to-day life of your kid in a school um, so part of it is just education and awareness and and get you know like this is this is what they can do this is what they've been doing um you know pay pay attention please <laughs> and then the other piece of it is actually galvanizing people to go out and vote I, I know apathy is at a an all time high right now from a voter perspective. We saw it in the provincial election had the lowest turnout I think ever uh, Mm -hmm. for for a provincial election. Um, Municipal elections tend to be even lower still. Um, And so we looked at it as both an opportunity and a challenge. Um, I mean, on the one hand, because voter turnout does tend to be lower, the impact you can have with your vote is proportionately higher. um, And it doesn't actually take that many votes to make a change. Um, because the margins are pretty slim on these races. Um, however, it also means you've got to actually mobilize your people to go out and, and vote the way that you want them to. So um, so a lot of that is just, you know, we've been just leveraging our own personal networks, our social media to try and get out there and say, hey, this election is happening, number one. right? <laughs> here are the candidates, here are the th- things that, you know, we think you should know about them, and please go actually vote.
0: I want to talk about a couple of the candidates in a sec, but uh, in terms of like sort of raising awareness, um, I don't know how is it in your school board, but both the school boards here in Guelph, the Upper Grand, which is the separate school board and the Wellington Catholic District School Board, um, you know, before COVID, you would have to physically go to those meetings. It's not like, you know, city council where there, there are ways, to, there were ways to see it on TV or online um before the pandemic uh but the school board is one of those things you have you had to actually go in person so um this awareness you're trying to create and maybe it, uh, the awareness uh that you've you know encountered in, in your own advocacy here and in, in trying to understand what's going on at uh, your your school board uh was COVID an asset in that regard in terms of you know clicking a a video screen when you're at home, as opposed to getting in the car and going to the physical board office.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, I I think, and I'd have to go back and check the timing of this. I think our board had been live streaming on, on, they have a YouTube channel for, I think even before the pandemic for a little Hmm. while. Um, But certainly, yeah, it's a lot easier to say, Hey, go click this link and, (laughs) and listen in, as opposed to having to make arrangements and deal with childcare and all the other things that come with those logistics. Um, yeah so having a virtual access to it is is certainly much
0: easier all right i am going to ask you about a couple of people and um, if you could explain uh what your issues are i would appreciate it so i want to start with uh vincent and i hope i'm saying his name <laughs> right vincent ian tomassi um it. okay good uh wh- what's the deal with vincent <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a loaded question uh- <laughs> So I'll preface this all by saying, this is my own personal observation. Um, But there's a few things there. um, From from my personal perspective, Um, I think we've seen just an issue with conduct in meetings. Um, That's certainly kind of the first thing as a parent watching when I started watching these meetings that like really jumped out at me was some of the, the way that some of these folks conduct themselves at the table was really sort of shocking to me, to be perfectly honest. There's a lot of crosstalk. There's a lot of yelling. I, like, I, I can appreciate that people are passionate. Um, that That's okay. But, um, but he can, at least in the ones that I've watched, he has a tendency to get somewhat confrontational with folks. Um, he's certainly one of the folks that made some comments in some of these debates that I found to be personally offensive. Um, <laughs> he's, and he's not alone in this. I won't, uh, not to single him out, but um, you know, there, there's a couple things, but lots of reference back to denominational rights over everything else. Um, I think he, in fact, made a comment at one point that denominational rights supersede human rights. Um, You know, that's that's sort of the viewpoint that we're dealing with. Um, And so while I fully respect the denominational rights, I mean, listen, my kids are in the Catholic school board. I support the, (laughs) I support its right to exist. Um, I don't think it can come at the cost of human rights as a foundation. So that's... You know where I have a fundamental issue. Um, you know, at one point, uh, our board actually had to commission a third-party report into trustee conduct because there was such a problem in just advancing agendas and getting through information. Um, he's one who was called out as being, uh, I believe, their t- their term was dilatory in terms of the behavior, sort of obstructing progress. Of, you know. Uh, objecting to meeting minutes without actually having a stated issue with them, like just that sort of stuff, um, that just it impedes our ability to get anything done. Uh, so as a, as a parent watching, <laughs> it's very frustrating. Um, so that's kind of my view. And then I think um, he actually was found to be in breach of the the trustee code of conduct recently um, in July. They just voted this week to release that report i don't think it's actually been released yet so waiting to see exactly what the content of that was but um but clearly uh, some sort of issue there as well
0: yeah there's a lot of this and we'll talk about another trustee in a sec but you know there are these reports about investigations into code of conduct and you get the i guess the the headline version of that that you know, there there is a code of conduct investigation, but you know, as parents or even just impartial observers, uh, there, there's no information about what that involves. Uh, it's just it's just something that's going on behind closed doors, essentially.
1: Right. Yeah, to this point, the majority of that discussion was was in camera, so not, not available for the public to see or hear. Um, so I'm hopeful that once that report is released, we'll have a little bit more insight into, into the route there. But, uh, but yeah, for now, that's kind of what we know.
0: And I want to point out, too, that um, Vincent is uh, running for re-election. He is indeed. Yeah. So let's talk about Helena Carabella. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> Who's also running for re-election? I, I he want is a to say.
1: candidate in my ward, uh, mm-hmm. so I yes, I'm paying close attention to that one.
0: Okay, so she's the Oakville one of the two, Oak, uh, three Oakville trustees. Um, so uh, she has also faced some code of conduct uh, issues. Right, she's been um, suspended for she was suspended for a couple of meetings. He was
1: suspended for two meetings, yeah. Whereas I, I believe Trustee Antomasi was was banned for the rest of his term, essentially. Um, mm-hmm.
0: For whatever that means, right It is, you know talk about some of maybe again a lot from what I gather a lot of that is also in camera, um, yes. unknown to the general public. But I mean, in terms of your observations, your opinions about her conduct, what you what you've seen, what can you tell us?
1: She's also so she's different it, it from from Trustee Intimasi in the sense that she's not. Necessarily one who's out there quite as vocally <laughs> or quite as aggressively in terms of her conduct in meetings. Um, but she very consistently votes along the what what I will call the the sort of further right uh, of the spectrum um, and also places the, you know, the concept of denominational rights in the church um, ahead of, of most things. Um, she where where I have disagreements um, is that for one, she has brought forward that um what they call this the Sanctity of Life fundraising ban. So going back mm-hmm. to 2018, she's brought that back to the table multiple times. Um so in the past
0: multiple times.
1: Multiple times. Um in the past year, it came back, I want to say from maybe January. I'd have to go check the actual dates. Um but almost every meeting came back slightly tweaked to a slightly different flavor, but with the same fundamental attempt, um, despite being voted down repeatedly. And so like, that's just a waste of board time and resources, quite frankly, like we know the outcome already. We know there's not support for it. Uh, Like stop (laughs) 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 as as a parent watching it. That is, that was very frustrating. Um, We actually delegated um, at one of the meetings to explain why we were opposed to it. Um, But anyway, uh, so has been unsuccessful in getting that move forward, but just like, that's clearly a a very strong issue. Um, Whereas, you know, my preference would be to focus on things that actually impact our children's experience in their schools, um, as opposed to trying to advocate for church positions. So, you know, the other example there was, she also brought forward a motion last year, Um, wanted the school board to write a letter to the federal government in opposition of the medical assistance and dying bill. Mm
0: -hmm. How
1: does a school board have anything to do with that? Like to me, that's not what the school board should be focused on. I, if you want to advocate for that in your personal life, by all means, please do. If you want to organize your parish to, to do something of that sort, by all means, please do. I don't understand how that has any bearing on my children's education. So to me, like it's, that is the general theme um, of where I struggle
0: with her. Is there kind of a generational thing going on? Or, I mean, looking at the pictures of uh, Carabella, she doesn't seem that old, uh, not to age, be <laughs> ageist, but Ian Tomasi does seem like he's enjoyed a, a long life so far. But um, is 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 that part of what's going on? There's this generational divide between what, Catholicism or even Catholic education used to be versus, you know, what it is now with, you know, young, with younger parents, younger people. Um, I mean, is that what's kind of driving this?
1: You know, I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) To be perfectly honest, maybe. Um, I certainly think there are, there are clearly folks on the board and 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 I'm sure there are parents that share this same view as well that that view being strictly adherent to the church teachings as the number one priority at all times. Um, I think there's a growing proportion of parents who have chosen the Catholic system because they're they're Catholic, they want to teach their children those core values. Um, you know, there's they're still finding a lot of value in the faith, but also Live in twenty twenty two society and know right. some of these views have to evolve a little bit and and I won't speak for anybody else but on a personal level um, that's kind of where I'm at uh, like I I appreciate the the underlying faith teaching I want my children to learn all those core lessons and values but I also want them to know that it's not okay to discriminate against people on the basis of their gender identity, or, you know, or any of these other things. Um, And and so, as a publicly funded institution, which the Catholic school boards are, I think we have a responsibility to, to move forward on some of those issues. And, and I know that that is a tough push and pull relative to the church. Right. Um, But that's kind of the, the crossroads where I think we find ourselves.
0: And I wonder in this, if we are, you know, discounting the young people, I know you said that your oldest is in second grade, so perhaps not as politically yeah. active as they might be. <laughs> in the years to come. But, you know, you also mentioned that the, the, the effort to raise the pride flag was student driven. It was a student yeah. initiative. Um, and I'm sure there are people in your groups who maybe have young people who are, you know, high school aged and, you know, are, you know, in that strike zone for getting in, being politically active and, and and that sort of thing in terms. So, so what's like, in terms of like what, where the young people are coming from, I mean, is a lot of these issues that they're getting pushed back from the board. I mean, is the board, I guess, reflective of where the young people are in who actually go to school?
1: Yeah. I I think that's been the tension in a lot of it. And so like, I should say there are, there are some trustees on this board who have been fantastic advocates. I mean, you look at, um, you know, trustee Agnew, who who was really the main proponent around the pride flag, and trustee Buzo, who has been at the forefront of, of trying to address some of our, um, our issues with things like anti black racism and and dress codes, and we have some some very strong advocates at the table. Unfortunately, they're just in constant opposition with the folks at the other end of the spectrum. And that makes it difficult to to move these things forward. Um, So I think it's a bit of a mixed bag, but that ultimately is it, right? We've got, if you're hearing loud and clear from your student senators and their representation that this is something that they want, why are we fighting so hard against it? Um, ultimately, our duty is to serve them and to make sure that our students are having the best possible experience in their schools that they can. And that's our that's that's the foundation of what we're trying to do. We're very rarely are we raising something of our own volition. Our primary focus here is to look at what can we amplify on behalf of the students in these schools or the staff in these schools or you know, the broader community because, it's just very hard to have your voice heard, and and we're trying to find a mechanism to to do that.
0: That's a that's an important point because uh, the school boards do have uh, members who are students in the schools. I think that's a universal thing. Um, I know it certainly is with both the Upper Grand and the Wellington Catholic mm. district here, but, you know, that's that's a hard line to walk uh, for some of those young people. They have to uh, be legit to their fellow students, but they also have to uh, hold their own with the literal adults in the room.
1: Yeah. And our student trustees have been excellent, um, you know, the past at least the three years I've been watching they consistently excellent representation for their peers.
0: Well, I want to talk about your group then. And um, I mean, would you characterize the Halton Parents for Change as sort of nonpartisan in that you are not endorsing particular candidates, but you are endorsing a point of view?
1: Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, We certainly uh, we have candidates that we support based on their their values aligning with ours. Um, So, so we haven't, you know, we don't, we don't, our website doesn't have any formal endorsements. We're not uh, a a third party, you know, election (laughs) organization or anything like that. Um, But we are just advocating for, um, for the folks that we think uh, align to the the objectives that we hold. Um, So yeah, that's about right.
0: So what are the objectives then?
1: So, I mean, our underlying priorities are all things to do with inclusion, uh, equity, diversity. Uh, I think that's where we have a lot of opportunity. Our board has some very real challenges with some of those things. We've heard, um, you know, lots of of troubling stories from students and parents. and, And so it's um, look, we're looking for uh, hopefully for trustees at the table who are um, number one open to, um, to to really listening to those concerns and and advocating for for changes where we need them to to better address them.
0: Some of those issues are uh, diversity and equity. Um, you, like a lot of other your your school board, like a lot of other school boards, has had. Um, Debates about the role of police in schools, the, the school resource officer. Um, I did note on the website, there's also a lot of talk about bullying and, and peer pressure and things like that as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the I think one of the things that. Um, that often comes to trustees is is scenarios where there's a bullying issue in a school that uh, where a parent doesn't feel like it's been, you know, appropriately addressed within the school. Um, The trustee is often an escalation point for for those sorts of concerns. Um, And, you know, to varying degrees of success, depending on who you find yourself in touch with, I guess. But, um, you know, not that they can necessarily direct the operational day to day of anything in a school, but Um, But where we're seeing patterns, they do have the power to create board policies and things like that that can help um, alleviate some of those issues.
0: I I recognize that, uh, as you said, you're not endorsing a particular candidate, but I'm sure you're endorsing, I guess, certain character traits or, or things that are representative that, you know, in terms of approach and style, you know, in terms of who you would like to see form a part of the next school board. So if you could, if, if it's possible to like vaguely describe the type of person you'd like to fill a, a seat at the next school board, what, what does that person, uh, what is the character makeup of that person? I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the core of it, if we, I mean, we, if you've been on our website, we did issue sort of a standard survey to all of the candidates. Some have responded, some have not. Um, but those questions are, are a pretty good look at, at what where we're prioritized. Um, so we did ask, you know, what are your thoughts on the pride flag? Like? Was that the right decision or not? Um, what are your thoughts on how you're going how we should be addressing the issues of anti-Black racism in our schools? Um, you know, how do we uh how do we look at uh some of those other programs? You know, um So those are sort of the core, the core aspects. And then we're looking for folks who, A, acknowledge that there's a problem because half, I mean, truly there are a number of candidates who just say like, we're already diverse. There's nothing to do. Um, We're Mm. good. Um, Like, I want somebody who looks at it and goes, you know what? Yeah, we do have a problem. And here's some ideas I have for how we might address them. Um, and then, obviously, if somebody comes back and says, like, no, raising the pride flag was the wrong answer, like, that's probably not someone we're going to support. Um, so, so looking for folks who sort of fall on the same side of those arguments um, as we do. But, but above all else, uh, you know, folks who are engaged, uh, who are, you know, professional in, in their discourse with others, who we think are going to be able to work collaboratively with whoever it is that gets elected to get things done. Um, you know, those are all, all important elements as well.
0: Do you feel like you've been having an impact, again, recognize some of the things we've discussed here, you know, the voter apathy, how difficult it is to get people to pay attention to school board issues at the best of times. Um, but, I mean, here's an organized effort to say this is the kind of school board we want, which, as we were discussing before we started recording, is kind of an utter, utterly rare sort of thing. Um, so in terms of, like, your own efforts, do you feel like you've had an impact on this race?
1: I mean, I guess the proof will be in the pudding on election day. Um, I certainly hope so. Uh, <laughs> I think we've, uh, at very least, we've had a lot of good conversations with with folks. Um, even just getting to know the candidates, I think I can't say this uh, with certainty, but I think we helped shake loose some candidates that maybe otherwise wouldn't have come forward. Just in in having some of the discussion and people coming to realize. Oh, oh, we really do need a different representation here. Um, so i'm I'm hopeful that that some of that pans out.
0: Do you perhaps have an understanding now, given that you know again, you you were talking about how you obviously didn't pay much attention to the school board because your kids weren't in school yet. <laughs> But you have you have made that dive. You've made that transition. It's one of those things where, like, once you t- sort of look at it, you can't look away again. Yeah, you can't unsee it once <laughs> you've you
1: your eyes to it. Yeah.
0: That's all right. You can't unsee it. <laughs> um, but in, in terms of, you know, having that experience, um, has that given you any insight in terms of how to better get other people to see it? Like, is it is it just a matter of people aren't going to look until they they – have a reason to look, or is it? Have you learned maybe how to force people to finally take a look and maybe get more engaged than they might have otherwise?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, and for better or for worse, um, outrage works really well for getting people to wake up and pay yes, attention that's... to what's going on. Um, and and so, not that we're manufacturing that outrage, but where something happens that we think, I mean, that we personally feel outraged about, um, we've had a lot of success in in leveraging our social media channels to publicize those things. I think a lot of those conversations just sort of used to happen and then disappear. Um, And when we hear something horrendous get said in a meeting, we'll make a post about it and and people will see that post and they get shared. And and we do get decent traction on on a number of those things. And I think that has really helped. I mean, we obviously, we try and balance all that off with positive things. And when good things happen, we highlight those too. So we're not out here to, you know, trying to just drag uh, the organization, but um, but those are the ones that, that do get noticed.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. Outrage does work uh, very well. Um, unfortunately, it works for everybody almost equally. Uh, yeah. So maybe to to wrap things up, uh, you know, what happens after the election? What happens to your group once there's a new board, no matter what that, the makeup of that board turns out to be?
1: I mean, to some extent, it, it will depend on, on who ends up at that table uh, in terms of the degree to which we need to be active, I guess, or how vocal we need to be. Um, we're not going anywhere. Uh, so certainly, you know, we'll, we're going to continue to stay plugged in. But to your point, we're, we're here now. We can't we can not not listen. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so we'll continue to do what we've been doing, quite honestly. Um, hopefully, it becomes less of a battle and, and more of a discussion as we go forward, if we have some different folks at the table who um, are maybe more open to listening to some of it. But um, but yeah, no, we're still we, we will continue to, to sort of follow what's going on, continue to lend our voices where we can be of help in, in getting things on the table and, uh, and keep doing what we've been doing.
0: All right. Well, I, I, I like what you've been doing, which is why I wanted to talk to you. So, uh, Alison Colch, I, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to talk to me and everyone else in the Guelph, uh, the Guelph sphere about uh, all your efforts <laughs> down in Halton. It's appreciated.
1: Well, oh, thank you. And I hope everyone goes
0: in boats, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good message to leave it on. Thank you.
1: <laughs>
0: and once again, that was Allison Colch. You can learn more about Halton Parents for Change at their website, which is literally haltonparentsforchange.ca. And you can also find links on their site to some of these issues and articles that we were talking about In this podcast. In terms of our own school board elections, early voting continues this weekend, and you can get all the information about how, where, when, and why, I guess, at vote.guelph.ca. And you can also see the school board candidate questionnaires that I've done on the Guelph Politico site. And that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, out of the University of Guelph. And to learn more about CFRU, go to cfru.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media, at Guelph Politico on Twitter, and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, or send me an email at Donaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you are more than welcome to do that, and you can get that information at guelphpolitico.ca. And finally, for all the latest local political news, you can check out GuelphPolitico.ca where we will have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you this time next week. And until then, we will see you next time.